has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Widespread investigation of reports from funeral homes, morgues, and hospitals has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. Bodies must be carried to the street and, and, and burned. They must be burned immediately. Soak them with gasoline and burn them. The bereaved will have to forego the dubious comforts that a funeral service will give. Uh, they're just dead flesh and dangerous. Chief, uh, if I were surrounded by six or eight of these things, would I stand a chance with them? Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot them in the head. That's a sure way to kill them. If you don't get yourself a club or a torch, beat them or burn them. They go up pretty easy. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. The following podcast may contain adult language and conversations revolving around situations not suitable for immature audiences. Spoilers and general political incorrectness can often be expected, so listener discretion is advised. They must be destroyed on sight! Okay, we're back, and we're finally at episode 100 of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. I'm your host, Lee Russell, joined by my co-host, Daniel Harper. How are you doing, sir? Doing just well. Doing just well. I sound like an idiot. I'm doing well. Thank you. <laughs> He's much better now. Yeah. He's feeling much, much better. better now. Yeah. yeah. We're up to triple uh, digits. That's a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. And I'm also joined by my other co-host, Paul Romali. How are you doing, hey! sir? Hey! I always sound like an idiot. Dangerous brothers. We're back. We're back. If you hadn't guessed, we're drinking during this episode. This is sort of a celebratory episode for us. We're going to be getting to a commentary of Night of the Living Dead. But before we do that, we do have a little bit of housekeeping to go through. So yeah, 100 episodes. And let's see. I I thought we were going to do the housekeeping during the watch of the episode. So people could watch Night of the Living Dead while they listen to us bullshit about the letters we've gotten. <laughs> well, okay. I put out the call several times for people to send in messages and I got more than I expected. You got I more got, than zero. Yeah. I got two. So one more than I expected. We should just get to those right away and get them out of the way. So, um, Matt Toerper posted Probably a comment. His last name. Probably. Mm-hmm. Toerper. It's T-O-E-R. Something like Torper? that, yeah. Yeah, something like that. So I just watched Night of the Living Dead for the first time a few weeks ago. Great movie. With much of the dread due to the suspense and atmosphere and less from the actual goriness. Dude, just watch. Well, I mean, good. I'm glad you watched it. It's awesome. I'm just like, mm, really? Just, mm, just, yeah, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, and I would agree with that comment, although I would say it is... I guess it's not gory for 1968, but it's definitely... Well, it, it, it is gory for 1968, because the, the, when they use the, the corpse in the, in the room with the, with the dripping blood and stuff like that, that's yeah. gory. And but the thing I, is, that with the, when they did the... Uh, my chicken's cut! And they blew up the car, and then they were eating Tom and, and Judith. 
that that's gory. I mean, that's gory. I mean, they they were eating the barbecue and stuff like that. That's overall. I mean, it's pretty gory. I, I think right. it's the eating of the sausages, like the the and eating sausages. The you got to say the baby, the sausages, baby. But it's like it's 1968, so that is gory. But today's standards, of course not. It's uh, it's yeah. kindergarten. It's kindergarten. That's why my kids watch it, and they're five. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and I think we'll actually talk on that a little bit too about uh, children watching this at the time when we get into the actual commentary. Okay, well, well, thank you, Matt. And we have one audio comment was sent in from our friend Mike Murphy from the Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts podcast. And on three, Daniel and I have it. We'll click it now and listen and react to it. And then Paul's just going to react to what we said because uh, he's on his phone, so he actually can't see the message in the Google. So, Daniel, three, two, one, go. Hey guys, Mike Murphy here from Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts, and also a recent guest of yours covering the Zodiac and revealing that my father was actually the Zodiac. Anyway, I'm going to keep this super short. Um, just a uh, congratulatory MP3. On your 100th episode, that is a monumental task, one that seems to take forever to get to some, well, especially considering your recording schedule. Life gets in the way. I I get that. So anyway, I'll keep this short. No, I won't. I'm going to keep it a little bit longer. I've been listening, I think, since episode 50-ish and haven't missed one since. I'm not one to go back and consume older episodes because I'd be burnt out by the time you guys hit 100 and I wouldn't be listening to it. Anyway, congratulations on episode 100. I actually really enjoy uh, waiting for your new episodes week after week. So have a great time talking about Night of the Living Dead, a movie I saw when I was maybe 10 years old. And I think the most frightening part of that movie for me was when the little girl, I don't remember her name, is stabbing her mother to death with the garden hoe. Terrible. Just terrible. I shouldn't have been seeing this on Creature Features on KTVU Channel 2 in the San Francisco Bay Area. I had nightmares for days afterwards. Happy 100th episode, guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you very much, Mike. Yeah, you probably were a bit too young to see that film, but... Yeah, no, uh, that's, uh, yeah, thank you, Mike. Sorry, I just, I think we were a few seconds off and listened to that. I don't know how well this is all going to cut together, but... Um, no, I'll, I'll, I will... You'll just edit that in. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm an editing genius. Yeah, I, I know you are. You're at the 100th episode, so, you know, oh. we're doing great. Um, no, I uh, definitely agree The the little girl in the basement with the spade is uh, quite creepy. Yeah, thanks to Mike for listening. I, I know he's uh, spread us around, spread the word around, and helped... To get us uh, all the way to like three dozen uh, listens per episode, which is really all I ever thought this podcast would do. So thank you, Mike, for helping us to achieve that goal. Yeah, he's been a really good friend uh, to the show. So uh, yeah. very much appreciated. <laughs> Dangerous brothers. It wasn't right. worth the anticipation. Thanks, Mike. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. We're back. I think we can take a couple minutes to maybe talk about getting to the hundredth episode and maybe I'll just throw over to you first. What do you think about that? And what are, what's your favorite episodes that we've done? 
Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is I kind of suggested we do, like, the little, the slightly maudlin uh, thing of, like, going back and looking at the original 100, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then um, didn't realize we were actually going to do it, so I didn't prep at all for this, uh, which is uh, really just They Must Be Destroyed style. Uh, as far do as with your gut. Yeah. Do with your gut, your rotten gut. There's a ton of stuff I've seen on this that I wouldn't have seen otherwise, and even when uh, I necessarily was not, like, a... A huge fan of all of it. I, it it's always been a, a journey. I love hanging out with you guys and uh, sitting and chatting about movies. I love having uh, the guests. I mean, Mike Murphy, I mean, getting him on uh, a couple episodes ago was, uh, I mean, just a real a real treat. Um, like Listening to him talk about uh, his dad, the Zodiac Killer, was uh, you know, <laughs> the of, uh, not where I thought we were going with that episode, but it was, it was glorious. Uh, you know, for me, it's uh, it's not necessarily the ones that um, kind of listen back to and, and go, well, you know, that one is really good. It, it, for me, it's like the memories of us talking and uh, some of the most fun we had. I think the noir series we did last year. I mean, I just loved going through those. In particular, I think the Big Sleep was, I mean, just one that I had a, a blast recording and uh, you know, figuring out that plot and laughing about. Um, that was a really fun one. Uh, the one we did for um, Hangover Square and uh, The Lodger. Right. Uh, was one that I think kind of turned out well. But uh, some of the most fun were definitely the sex comedy series. Uh, for me, uh, Euro Trip. I mean, that one's that's probably the most fun I've ever had on a podcast. But, uh, <laughs> well, maybe not the most fun, but definitely up there in terms of just clearly a glorious time um, sitting and chatting. Um, one, that I, one that we did really early on that I remember that I really am glad we did was Ravenous. I mm-hmm. think that's when, I mean, that was like episode three, I think. And I think that's yeah. when we start kind of, okay, this is what this is, you know. I was um, uh, only a viewer at the time, and I wish I was involved because it's like one of the best movies ever. And you did a great job, and yes, I agree. It was a, an amazing episode. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, it's it's just been, I don't know, for me, this is just I get to hang out with friends of mine and talk about movies. You know, it used to be every week, and now it seems like it's every few weeks because like, life gets in the way, and that's always a, a challenge, but. Um, this this has always been just sort of a fun have a beer and sit and talk about a movie, you know, with someone that is equally involved in talking about that movie, or people who are equally involved in talking yeah. about that movie. Um, although uh, often it's just Lee and myself, so um, you know, it's just, I just get to hang out with my friend Lee and get drunk every Friday night. It's cool. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, yeah, but what about you, Paul? What what were uh, some of your uh, highlights, for, at least for the episodes you were on, and maybe episodes you listened to that you liked? That you weren't on none. Bye bye. None. <laughs> I really I'll say one, the, one, uh, one that I really, I really liked. One that I really liked that Paul was in was the Christopher Lee episode. Oh yeah, I did that a Christopher was... Lee episode. Yeah, the Christopher Lee um, memorial. Uh, memorial. Ah, memorial. did I do that one? Nice. My favorite is probably as far as like talking about movies goes and stuff like that is like where we really talked. Um, I think I just like love the spaghetti westerns. That is something that stuck with me, and it's a style, as Daniel first quoted, that uh, he would have not necessarily would have watched himself, and that is me. And uh, honestly, I think one of the best one was M. M was great. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, even though I'm not really happy about me being a Randy fucker, I cannot say that I think – as far as, even though I didn't think I was going to say anything the whole show, I said a lot, and people, I mean, Daniel and stuff, like, they got a lot out of it. I think uh, Punch Drug Club was uh, a lot of uh, craziness. Yeah. And, of course, if you want to ask, I really wish I could have did it with you guys, 
excuse me, but Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, well, you did have a, you at least did have a segment on that because we did that over two nights. So yeah, yeah, I would, I really wish I would have done it with you guys, uh-huh. but but Dawn of the Dead, of course. And yeah. uh, actually, I, I, I enjoy. I there's there hasn't been a moment on they must be destroyed on site a movie podcast. I haven't enjoyed. I'm very appreciative of being here, and I hope to uh, get in on more of these. And there's been a couple that have slipped through the doorway that I sat I missed. But other than that, fantastic. And uh, I actually really like when you have the new guys, the you like guests, kind of come on. It's pretty good. So thank you. Yeah. Moving on. And that's the most serious thing I will ever say. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was going to go. Like, A, you know, just hanging out with you guys and talk about movies has been a lot of fun and it's probably been the most rewarding part of it. But uh, also just getting introduced basically to the entire sort of British crew that Daniel knew that sort of, he sort of brought over into the podcast. That's been pretty rewarding as well. Like, I think we've done some of our best episodes, just hands down. Cooley, Blue Velvet, and, and uh, Nosferatu are two. Uh, yeah, just and <laughs> I think the numbers... Challenge podcast history <laughs> yeah I, th- I think the numbers sort of hold out there like they just sort of prove that even though you know great numbers for us is uh like uh, maybe 200 above the one. most yeah but those are our best episodes and it's been a lot of fun like meeting jack graham and kit power and james murphy and the episode we did with uh shana and, and ryan right and yeah ryan. we did the mel brooks yeah right we can't forget the one episode that i actually did get blackout drunk recording and uh, did not remember the next day what I said. That was Zardoz. Yeah, <laughs> Zardoz was uh, an experience <laughs> that we <laughs> that we did with Hugh. And yeah, also I I definitely get perverse enjoyment out of subjecting you to movies that you otherwise probably never would have watched, Daniel. And especially when you end up hating them, like Hell of the Living Dead. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Hell of the Living Dead. Hell of the Living Dead is one that I I would actually take my little rant in the middle of that and just rip it and then like show it to people of like, no, this is who I am on a podcast. Getting a man boner just thinking about that. It's so good. (laughs) Or uh, also Oasis of of the Zombies. That's another great one. He wasn't as good in that one though. He wasn't as good. Well, he, he didn't. Was still he, didn't good. he didn't. He didn't get as angry. And and and. Well, uh, there's less there's to just, talk about. Let's be honest. There's uh, not as much to get angry about there because yeah. it's just bad. But it's so. Whereas, good. like, Hell, Hell of Living Dead, Dead is bad in interesting ways. Whereas, Oasis of the Zombies is bad and just, just bad, bad in bad ways. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Oh, Discovery of Jess Franco got to be something that uh, you know I, I'm responding positively to, even though I uh, kind of discovered him and said, "Hey, we should." I kind of used the podcast as a way of watching stuff that giving me the excuse to watch stuff I wouldn't necessarily make myself watch. Otherwise. I just, I just, I have to say with that one, I have to say I like Zombie Lake. I really do. Zombie Lake is not is not bad. I like. It's not a scratch on either Vampiros, Lesbos, or uh, She Killed in Ecstasy. You see, exactly. that's where you see that's Still where one of my favorite films we've ever done. Oh on yeah, this yeah. Place. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I actually enjoy Zombie Lake for what it is. You just like the naked chicks in it. That's all you like in that film. Did I say what I liked about the film? I just said I like the film. I <laughs> like on. Zombie Lake. Let's be honest. <laughs> I, lo- I look beyond Pussy Lee. I don't know about you, but I well, I, I look to the asshole. That's about. As far beyond pussy as I look, but still, I'm trying to say I'm a very well-rounded man, in person thing. Yeah, yeah. Watch. I think we've uh, established that over the the hundred episode breadth of our uh, podcast, including the bonus episodes. Is and it all a breath or is it more like a queef? It could be. Maybe <laughs> in, in... the one hundred episode queef we have <laughs> going on. 
I don't know about you guys, but I'll toast to another 100 episodes. I look forward to uh, continuing this on in the future with you gentlemen. And Can you, like, word and, like, to- like toast with actually beer? Because I drank mine. Jesus. I'm, you can I'm toast with to... whatever the fuck you're I'm, drinking. I'm trying to fill it. Just leave me alone. Okay, here we go. I got, I got beer in this. Cheers. Cheers. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, maybe 50, Lee. I don't know if I've got another 100 in me. You know, I, I don't know if I can stand you any, any longer than that. But, you know, well, 50 at least. Yeah. He's, he's still he's still soured that he hasn't gotten his Dollar Shave Club check yet. That's uh, yeah. That's <laughs> I can the big send kicker. you a, a Barolo and a fucking Mach three. I can do this. It's okay. Because clearly, <laughs> clearly, what I need in my life is more razors. That's you know, yeah something yeah. I'm desperately in in search of. Well, maybe we get a we'll get a me undies or uh, maybe if I, could, uh, I could have a drunken Paul undie. I would love it. Or we could get sacks. That's the one that keeps you junk straight and stops you from sweating. See, you watch. <laughs> you apparently listen to more podcasts with advertisers than I do these days. I which do, is, uh, which facts. is sad. Yeah, it just no. gets your junk straight and stops you from sweating. The only the only time I like it is if and usually it's a podcast done by a comedian who can like run with it and make it sound funny. You know. <laughs> Whereas most people do this unnaturally, go right into it, and it's just like, oh, fuck you. I'm not listening to your podcast anymore. But, you know, I, I listen to too many podcasts, I, I guess, and I'm always listening to new ones and adding to my I'm, I'm just really worried because I don't have sex, and I'm going to go ch- see if my junk is straight and uh, come back with a beer. And here's time for a break, guys. All right. Are you not feeling that freshest feeling? Think about this. <laughs> In a world. Gone As you know, the doomsday clock is a symbolic clock face analogizing humankind's proximity to extinction. One man must fight to survive on the global junkie of the future. You maniacs! You blew it up! Ah, uh, damn you! God damn you all to hell! Which versus the Doomsday Clock is that man's story. His search for entertainment is transmitted across time and space for your listening pleasure on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and your Android device. This podcast is not fit for human consumption. Side effects include laughter, concern, nausea, vomiting, and burning for more purposes. The magicians accept our responsibility for any side effects, illness, or internet brand you might cause. My event guarantee is worth nothing. Zero, zip, zip, sh- uh, I roll, no sausage. In short, you get nothing. Nothing. Good day, sir. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. 
Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Okay, here we are, gentlemen. Uh, I've got Daniel with me. I've got Paul with me. And we're going to be doing our commentary for Night of the Living Dead from 1968. If you expect some sort of educated, Uh? immensely detailed commentary here, you're going to be sadly, sadly disappointed. But if you just want three drunken louts uh, just talking about how much they love this film and just going on tangents, then you're going to get that. And so for those of you at home... Uh, listen to us do the counto- countdown, have your uh, players, however you're playing this, set, and we will start after I count down from three. Three, two, one, play. And there image ten in production is actually funny because that's that's the um, that's the film crew that actually Russ Steiner and uh, Romero actually created to start making movies, and they they started doing commercials. That right. was the big thing. They were doing beer commercials before this, yep. for the most part. Yeah, they, they, used to, they used to do uh, Johnson Johnson, you know, things like that, Downey, um, and beer. And this is what they're this is their first full length film. Yeah, was that was that was that before or after he was working with Fred Rogers? Like, because I thought he was working with no, he actually worked with Fred Rogers before this. He was he was uh, you know he was on the film crew of Fred Rogers, which right right. But but the image image ten he started that after 
he started he up was, after the yeah he started for image gen after he worked with fred rogers but he was doing all that stuff before then hmm. and i mean the latent latent image that's their production the latent image that is their production company and fred rogers actually comes from uh laporte pennsylvania about 30 minutes away from me so he's definitely a, a pennsylvania native as well very good nice yeah, but they were like I said, they were doing uh, beer commercials for the most part. But I think they got they didn't have professional equipment up to then. Like they ha- they didn't have thirty five millimeter equipment, from mm-hmm. what I understand. And mm-hmm. they got the money. Uh, they put the money in because they got a commercial for um, I can't even remember the name of the brand, but it was some big uh, cleaning mm-hmm. brand that wanted a professional. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Downey. Was it was Downey. Downey. Yeah, and, the Downey clean, and then you actually see Carl Hartman in that commercial. Ah, because yeah, because that that's basically what prompted them to invest in thirty-five millimeter cameras. And then there's like, hey, we have thirty-five millimeter cameras. Let's make a fucking movie. When you see the entrance of the car here, which is his mom's car, I believe, or something like that, you actually watch him park right here as right. he took a long tour around the graveyard. The the curve for that graveyard is correct. There's two more great uh, turns. He took the longest route around that graveyard. It's a big, giant square and parked exactly where he entered the graveyard to shoot everything he shot here. Everything in this shot that you will see for the next 15 minutes is in maybe a 20-foot square, 20-yard square. So they didn't go deep into the No, he didn't didn't go deep at all. He opened up a very small platform by driving around the whole thing and shooting exactly where he shot at. It was ex- ex- exactly where he came in from. And this is the Evans uh, Evans City or Evansville? This is the Evans City Cemetery, which in 2000, right. I think, 13 or 12, started the Rebuild the Chapel organization, which is the only still standing structure from the movie. And in 2015, they got enough to rebuild the chapel. So it is, it is under construction or either by now is actually rebuilt into its original format. Mm-hmm. And here he turns off the radio. So uh, the reports of he, he was just getting the report. Yeah, fuck this. That always happens in in horror movies. The, the vital over. If you know, <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> oh yeah, well he's 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 obviously more into like I wouldn't. He's he's hip. He's more urbane and hip than his sister. His sister is repressed and mm-hmm. yeah. He's a beatnik. Yeah, he's he, yeah, sort of a. Sort of, uh, he's sort of like one of those people in uh, Blast of Silence, wouldn't you say, Daniel? Like one of those guys at the party? Yeah, I mean, he's a little bit of a. I mean, he's not really a beatnik because he's. I mean, and he's. I know he's he's uh, he's made he's made her decrebs in a suit. Yeah, well, yeah, he's just he's just a dude, you know. Like that's you know, it's he, he's the Zodiac killer. He might as well. You know, <laughs> he, he fits the description, right? Like, come on. Um, if you actually go back to the cemetery now, you'll notice there is no trees, no bushes. Every single one of them have been taken down. And actually, the one gravestone that they stand here near is actually a fake gravestone, but the Blair Stone is actually what you can find. Rewatching this, I'm always amazed at how I mean, how long it takes for us to get into the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Right, that, there, there's qu- quite a bit of 
we're just sitting here and like talking about flowers and gravestones and well, I, I think a lot of these movies now they they don't take time to do character building like character building they don't like you, why do you care about this character like just you throw it in the zombies everywhere who cares if he dies i mean the only reason i don't care because if he dies the film's over this yeah. one actually gives you a little chance to like know what the hell you're like dealing with yeah, no, I mean, in, interestingly enough, the the next two uh, films in the in the original trilogy, they kind of throw you right into the action. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russ Steiner actually came up with the idea of using the driving gloves to de- delineate himself from other zombies. So when the driving gloves right. driving gloves come through the window, you know it's Johnny. Uh, Russ Steiner came up with that idea. And you got Bill Heinzman creeping along a little bit in which, the distance. Which never let this role go, ever. No, Flesh Eater, goddamn. Flesh Eater, baby, yep. He milked it out. But he did a great job when he directed uh, The Majorettes. He really did a great job. And, and yeah. again, this film gave him all that structure. And just like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he was only 18 when he did this. Just like Grandpa... Oh yeah, right. They were both eighteen-year-olds that did all this makeup and all this crazy stuff, and really set the scene for everything. God damn, he looks forty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he's all—he's always kind of looked that way. I mean, if you wash it off, you'd probably be an old bastard still. Now it's interesting to note that. Um, so this is the first big screen well uh version of like the modern zombie this kind of establishes yes, the modern before, zombie before then they used to be called ghouls right the voodoo and i mean well i mean that's what they kind of referred to them here in the uh, script or as whatever ghouls, anyways. yes as yeah ghouls, yeah but um well the modern zombie takes roles from this it's like the new the new idea of it yeah right but there there's really no serious established rules here other than the uh, they're slow, and you can kill them by shooting them in the head, right? So yeah. they're, they they haven't really had any forethought. Like the, none of these people knew that they were going to be making two more movies after this, and then it was going to you know spawn all these other mm-hmm. zombie movies. So they weren't thinking too too hard on you know being too solid on what these zombies can mm-hmm. and can't do. So you look here, and Bill Heinzman is there, yeah. Is that he, like can he can he do this? Can he pick up rocks? Can he smash this? Can he do that? Yeah. Like yeah. And there's a, there's a car with a real out like a literal pull out choke. By the way, this is a, you don't see this anymore. And uh, the nice thing that you just saw there, when she was by that uh, gravestone, she n- literally had to be on her knees to take that shot because the gravestone is very small. Huh. So even though it looked like she was standing there, she was actually hunched down pretty low, and you see her running away without shoes. And then later you see a shot where she loses her shoes. Uh, so boom, check that out. See here he goes here like you you wouldn't see that in Dawn of the Dead. You you don't really see like a zombie turn, look at a rock, pick it up, and then like try to smash the exactly. window. Oh, rock smash, good. Yeah, we're we're back to uh, yeah. Phil Hartman on Saturday Night Live. Fire bad. <laughs> I feel like they're almost more scary in that they're less defined. Here, right? Oh, yeah. That is there. There's a there's a better sense of well, there's less of a sense of like this is a defined kind of enemy that you can sort of 
Uh, the one thing about this uh, film that is so cool with that is if you look at the color version, they don't really color the zombies. And I okay. think that makes it even better. Yeah, they're the, just thing, kinda... the thing about the car that you see here, she actually got her car hit by somebody. And they're like, oh, no, don't. it's fine. Don't <clears throat> fix it. Let's ram it into a tree first. Right, right. I remember reading that story. Yeah. And, it's like, and I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. Oh, thank God you hit your car on someone. We needed to I mean, wreck it anyway. It, it, really, it really and, is a testament to, like, just low-budget filmmaking. Yeah. Now, I mean, like, no, let's fix it with Allstate because we needed to smash it anyway. <laughs> I will I, – I actually will uh, bring up a very childhood memory that I will embarrass myself with here soon. All right. Yes. By the way, Jesus of the Day has always been my Hollywood crush. She's very she's she's still alive, isn't she? Of course she is, and I yeah. you know I like yeah she's got like a chopped off haircut, but that's still like she's she's always been a Hollywood crust. Yeah. I love see the thing is people bitch about how Judith Day is the helpless this and there's like like I'm sorry, but like she is like the cutest thing because of that. No shoes, helplessness. Like oh, uh, uh, can I just hug you forever, please? Like it's okay. Yeah. Well, I'll take care. Well, of you. <laughs> for what I understand, they were kind of conflicted with. Like, should we just make her the typical well, helpless yeah. thing? But at the same time, they liked her performance so much because she did it so well. So, mm-hmm. which is funny because it was actually supposed to be Judith Ridley who got this role, and she didn't do it right. So they gave her the role of Judith, and both Judith Ridley by this time was either engaged or dating or married to Russ Steiner. Right, and because they worked together at Image Ten. And that's how she got the role for, excuse me, for Judith. Yeah, well, I mean, everybody you see in this is in some way connected with the production, pretty much. Uh, I don't think Judith O'Day and Ben were connected, and Tom wasn't connected. Yeah. Uh, Those are the three people who weren't. Everyone else was. Well, wasn't Dwayne Jones, wasn't he just like a theater actor? That no, Dwayne, for? yeah, uh, Dwayne Jones, he, like, he's like one of those guys that you think would be the coolest guys in the world, but when you were talking, like, dude, you're a dick. Like, I'm sorry you're dead, but you're kind of like a dick the whole time. <laughs> I don't know, I just, he's like so uppity. Like, okay, there's, there's like being cool, and you're a little bit on the uppity side, just saying, like, why are you such a douche? You know, but he's been like, yeah, he was like a high class theater director the whole time. And, all the, and he's, he's great. He's so great in this fucking film that yeah. you want to like, don't meet your fucking heroes because they will let you down. That kind of, like, he, he epitomizes that. And here is my, I am a stupid kid. I watched this when I was like four and five the first time. And I was watching this film and I just started learning because I've just gotten school into kindergarten. And they were teaching about animals, and they started with Africa. So they started with Africa. And I mean, it's, you know, alphabetical. And I'm like, so I learned about cheetahs. And I'm like, why did he have a cheetah on the wall? <laughs> like, I just, for some reason, like, for years, I was like, there's a cheetah on the wall. Why is there a cheetah on the wall? And I just could not get past the fact that that was a cheetah on the wall. And one day, when I was, like, 16 or 17, I was watching, I'm like, it's a fucking bobcat. <laughs> like, are, you, are you that stupid? You spent the last like twelve years thinking it's a cheetah. It's a bobcat. Like are you stupid fucker. Like I, I just couldn't get it. Like I, yeah. Do you, uh, do you, either of you think they're like where you got those really quick shots of the uh, taxidermied hids or whatever the stuffed hids? Do you think that was like 
some sort of subtle nod to Psycho almost, like just kind of a influence there? Well, the, I actually thought it was more of a filler and anything else, but like the, with the birds and stuff like that. Well, I just the, – the one thing that I, that always – like that scene culminated something beside me being an idiot, except for that. The whole thing with me in that scene was like, okay, what fucking busy signal or disconnecting signal ever sounded like that? like no sorry that doesn't like what is that that is not a busy signal apparently in this scene i don't believe it they said he used ping pong balls for eyeballs and i just i see that i'm like no you just you shove the fucking horse eye in some eye socket i think half these um so-called facts that you find on the internet is bullshit yeah you gotta kind of ask you gotta ask kind of ask romero whether whether he what what's sort of valid on on these things but even he i think at this point kind of half remembers most of it exactly or hey, less than that. 50 years ago at this point you know yeah yeah i don't even remember and i'm watching it right now uh when was the uh first time you guys watched this so i'll go to you first there dan you. uh about 10 years ago so i was in my i was in my like mid to late 20s somewhere in there um and uh, I don't remember. I, I just uh, got into. I just I had been reading a bit about Romero and said, "Well, I've never seen *I Live Dead*. I should sit down and watch it." And uh, watched uh, all three of the uh, you know Romero zombie films at the time in sort of a like three day period, and you know, kind of fell in love with the first two. Certainly, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, man, uh, Dwayne Jones, uh, yeah. perhaps uppity. Uh, I, I wouldn't know. I never met him, but. Uh, Brilliant performance! Yeah, brilliant! And, uh, Absolutely, he brilliant. just he just owns this thing from the from the second mm-hmm. he's on screen. And if yeah. you look up here, what you see, see. Uh, the, the corpse, which is a fake uh, corpse, obviously. <clears throat> but when they pull it down, they pull the corpse around. I think it's actually Kyra Shon that's you yeah. see the feet of. Yeah, yeah, I remember reading that. Uh, when was the first time you watched this uh, yourself, there, Paul? About four or five, and I've been watching it every year ever since. At least. I think the first time I saw this, um, it used to be aired. And at some point I'm going to do like either an article or an intermission mm-hmm. episode talking about this where I a lot of my first horror introductions came from A&E back in the day. Cause my, this, uh, my dad actually um, used to sit me down. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, mm. he used to sit me down and watch Jaws, Halloween, and this movie all the time. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I, I used to, a lot of my early horror influences and stuff I used to watch came from A and E, and this was one of them that was played on A and E all the time. And Turner Movie Classics, apparently. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, every channel played this because yeah, yeah. my my the channel that used to play this movie all the time was UPN Nine. It was called, and right after they would play this film you know, just to give it a little bit of a chuckle they we used to play Night of the Living Bread right and the DVD I have has that included on it's just an 8 mm-hmm. minute short that like speeds right through the film with people mm-hmm. having bread thrown at them basically yeah Night of the Living Bread like they, they would play every time I, once I got to a certain age and I realized what was going on they would play this film and after that they would play Night of the Living Bread and it was just so nice and it's so fun and I've always grown up with this movie with such a nice feeling. And it's just one of those 
just really well made and will stand to the test of time. If it if it didn't die yet, it'll never die. It's yeah. the iconic zombie. Here he goes. Ben's a man of action. He's not going to take this shit. I mean, it's almost more interesting to think of them as not zombies, right? Right. Like, if it like it really was just, you know, some mental like, like the, uh, where they, where the twenty where they really are just, where just crazy people in a people in a trance, you know, like. Um, well, uh, the the original concept they had for this that they couldn't film because of budget constraints. And I mean, you you only get like a base hint of that in the narrative, like it, it very much in the background of the Venus space probe returning, right? Which is just yeah. a possible explanation for what might be happening. And I uh, will just jump right in here and say uh, Ben was was supposed to be played by Rudy Ritchie, who mm-hmm. plays the lead radio thug in Dawn of the Dead. Uh, quiet, you guys, quiet. Yeah, there's only three of us, you know. You guys just fucked yeah. up real bad. That's really that's what Ben was supposed to play, and I'm so glad he didn't because Ben plays it so much. Uh, Dwayne Jones plays it so much better. But now you get to see John Russo, who is the screenwriter and creator of everything that you're seeing in this film. George Romero did not create Night of the Living Dead. He was inspired by stuff, but everything that you're seeing here was created by the guy on the floor right now. That's Russ, John Russo. Yeah, John Russo. He is the creator of Night of the Living Dead and the basically the long line of zombie films that you see today. And guess who – I mean, like, I'm not saying anything bad about John, uh, George Romero, but he has taken credit for that for his whole career. But this is the guy who came up with every single thing. And yeah, he did a great job, and I don't want to change a thing. Everything's fantastic. And, like, the original idea for this, like I was saying uh, before – they realized they didn't have the budget for it was it was going to be more like plan nine from outer space. There was this idea of, uh, aliens resurrecting mm-hmm. aliens. Dead. Yep. Yeah. So it, it was it, all you know. aliens. It was all this crazy stuff. And like, they were like, well, why don't they just be like zombie cannibals? Like the, and George was like, <laughs> uh, what? Like, you know, like to say, we just eat the dead and be like, yeah, okay. We'll call them ghouls and like that. So yeah, okay. That's I mean like I could you know, I wish I was a fly on the wall. Why they smoked so much you couldn't even see. And, <laughs> and just like hang out and listen to them, you know, with a gas mask on. Because it probably was pretty thick of smoke because if like and the one people said it's absolutely true. And they were funded by a cigarette company at the time too, I believe. Lucky stripes or something. Everyone smoked in the film. It was nonstop smoking. They never yeah. stopped. But the thing is, they didn't fund the film as, like, they weren't in the film, but they always, whenever a fucking actor or an actress got done smoking, there was a fucking pint of this and a big old fucking pack of this every time they got done doing it. Like, here, smoke this, smoke this. And it wasn't kind of like they were funding the film with monetary. They were funding, the, like, the actors. Get hooked on this. Show us this in the film, like you know, was, mm-hmm. that's very underhanded but very clever at the same time. Because you know, one of those motherfuckers will walk on set smoking something, and you'll get like a cheap pull in your film or whatever. I'm like, wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, and like by you're... the way, the, there is no diner in Evan City, and it never was. So this Evan City diner bullshit. I just want to say, like, like Dwayne, I love you. There's no fucking diner in Evan City. It's uh, well, it's just, an alternate, it's just an alternate universe where it exists. No, no, there isn't. Not where Come I on, uh, there, 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 there's, there's, there's a unlimited universe. If, if, if you ever saw Groundhog Day, guess what? Punk Titani doesn't look like that. 
not in my fucking universe. Not in my fucking universe. <laughs> Calm down. Not, I'll cut you. <laughs> but I do like the, like, it gives you enough details where you can fill in the backstory yourself. Like, exactly. he's, he's, he's obviously the only black man within miles <laughs> in, in this movie. And he, wow. he's, and he looks like he's, what, like a traveling salesman or something like that. And he just happened to stop over. No, he's just the... trying to get his welfare check. That's all. He's black, remember? <laughs> oh yeah, and yeah. he's and he's just he's he's just stopping over into this rural hick community where all of a sudden shit, he's trapped with all these. That's, crazy white that's people. The, I mean, that's the worst thing about this film. And this is the thing: is I'm with Russo. I'm with Russo on this, and I'm with Romero. See, I you have to understand. I'm not trying to say this because they said it. I watched this when I was like four, and like I've been watching this my whole life. I've never pulled a racial aspect out of this film because it just it seemed okay to me. Like I didn't think about race when I watched this. It's he's Dwayne, he's he's Ben, he's okay. Like I didn't grow up being racist. You know what I mean? Like I didn't like you have to be racist to see race. You have to see, you have to be <laughs> No, you have to understand the difference. And you do have to understand the difference of race and racism. To understand, like, like how the prejudice of race and this, like, you have to be aware of it. If you're not aware of it, you don't see it. And when I grew up watching this, I never thought of Ben being black and black means you're bad and all the white people are this and and like these little nuancey hippie or whatever, like fucking Daniel wants to be. Like that's fine. Like I get it, but like I never grew up seeing this and. And I will say this, and the only reason I'm saying that is John, like John, and um, and George didn't write it like that. They wrote it for a ma- like a white male role. That's what they wrote Ben as. All the lines that Dwayne says is all uh, Ruby Ritchie because they wrote it for him. Well, I read that they actually rewrote it though after they uh, a little John bit. John says after. he's got. Well, I mean, I, I I read something about John. He goes, "We didn't write it like that. This is what he said." This is what it says in the thing. And the only thing that he ever wrote is when he starts slapping guys down and slapping this, like, like, no, here, I'm the king, this and this. And I was like, okay, you're going a little bit overboard. But they wrote it, we wrote it because of, of, of Ben. But when I watched this, you have to understand, I'm watching this growing up my whole life. I didn't see this. I didn't see race. I just saw a guy taking care of an asshole and trying to take care of the situation. I didn't see. I still don't even look at this as a racial movie. I don't see it at all. Like I just can't view it like that. I mean, yeah, I, I, at I, the I, same I, time, I know, then... I know that I'm an idiot in Daniel. No, 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 no. For not the, looking no. at it like that, but I, I just don't see it like that. I, I can't do it. At the like, same, at the, at the same time, the beauty of movies is that everyone can interpret it in a different way. Yeah, and I mean, I yeah, and I mean, I think we've mentioned this on some other podcast. Maybe it was even the Dawn of the Dead that we did. Um, where we, we probably mentioned this film that, or maybe it was even the other commentary I did for the remake of this, but um, yeah, they, they originally wrote this for, he was supposed to be a white trucker. Yeah, exactly. Or whatever, right? like, yeah. But if I watch it now and I see him slug fucking uh, Mr. Cooper, do I get a laugh? I get a fucking big old laugh chuckle. Like slap the shit out of him. It's great. <laughs> it's just funny shit. You know, like, yeah, put him in his place. It's great. But when I watched this initially, I didn't get any of that. Like, there was just nothing. Because if you don't get grown up in this idea 
of black and white and bullshit. Like we didn't grow get grow up in that. You just watch a film. You see this. You don't see this in every. I didn't see this in everyday life. You know what I mean? Like you don't see this whole black and white struggle. So you don't relate to that. It's all about how you were grown up or what you're indoctrinated into. Actually, most of the people that see race in this, it's what you're indoctrinated, what they told you to look at. Okay, you're going to get told that this black guy's beating this white guy because white guys are the monsters and black guys are the other, whatever. See it however you want to, but no, it's a good film. I don't care how you see it, but this is a good film, and it's always going to be a good film to the day that we all fucking die. Not well, no, I, fucking I, I think... <laughs> I think I think you just spent like five minutes, probably not really saying anything there, Paul. <laughs> well, why? Why? I'm trying to do what Daniel does. Okay. Um, yeah. I <laughs> come on. I'm trying to do something here, people. Just asshole. You're such a I, I, th- I think I think the point is that uh, my back hurts. Go leave me alone. I think I'm the done. point is that they realized what they had on their hands when they did cast Dwayne Jones. And I think some of it was restructured slightly to reflect that, but at the same time, it's not overt or anything. Well, you have to understand that Martin Luther King died the same time they were taking this to publishers. Right. And they were like, Oh fuck, we're going to have a film that will never be published ever because of what just happened. And we didn't even mean for this to happen. Like, you know, like, like, Oh, they were really worried, but luckily Thankfully, luckily, this film did get published because they were worried that they wouldn't because of the racial tension and all that stuff, because of the horrible atrocity that happened to Martin Luther King. So luckily, this film did get published. And you know what? Because of the, the mass white this and that and, and people controlling the, the, the airwaves at the time, it is lucky it did get published. It really is. So now he's trying to figure shit out. It's probably the, this is the best fucking part of the film, too. He's fucking rocking in this role. He's trying to keep rational. Like I said, like it, it feels like there's 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 implied backstory here where he just he's a salesman or something who just drove into this town. And now he's just stuck. He's just stuck oh. with all this crazy shit going on. I just there's this one line in this fucking whole thing. Right, right here. And though, I just wanted to crush them. It is the best fucking line in the whole fucking thing. I'm like, wow. Wow, that fucking feels good. I just wanted to crush them. Like, oh, oh wow. That's, that's epic. Yeah, all these people just got their whole their whole life turned upside down like yeah. with within less than a day. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what's standing in front of you. If you don't like it, you just want to plow through them. Like it does like, oh, like get the fuck out of my way. Like wow. Like it was that's rough. I mean this and I mean that's that's a testament to Dwayne Jones' performance. I mean it's so good. You believe him because he's just this rational guy who was driving through here yeah. and he stops in somewhere and now he's in a spot where he just stuck a fucking tire iron through like some dead guy's head. 
who was that trying Dwayne to. Jo- yeah, he's probably one of the, like, as far as like Dwayne Jones is acting in this film is like probably one of the tops ever. Like as far as acting, I just, oh God, Dwayne Jones is so fucking good in this film. Would you, no, guys say uh, it's, would you guys say it's one of the, like, I mean, I think we've mentioned that uh, Romero generally, he, he picks amateur actors for a lot of his stuff. And in some cases, it kind of shows a little bit in subsequent mm-hmm. films, especially. Yeah, but this uh, one, he picked someone that was purposely fucking not. Yeah. I mean, he's he's maybe the most professional actor who's ever appeared in a Romero film. <laughs> Fucking right. Fucking other than right. other than like his big studio stuff that he right, rather than like John Leguizamo. Oh, that, that thing is that didn't happen. It never happened. I mean, See, that I, didn't happen. I love that my my go to is John Leguizamo for that. But uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, he did really well in Tu Wong Fu, thanks to everything of Julian Newmar. I wanted to, like, I wanted to like, jerk off half the film because of him, so I, I'll say that. It's pretty awesome. I mean, you can tell, you you, you watch his performance, and uh, Dwayne Jones' performance, not Leguizamo's. I'm not going to re- refer to I'm not going to comment on uh, uh, Paul's and masturbatory habits here, but um, uh, you, you watch Dwayne Jones' performance, and you can tell he's a... Um, he has a mannered uh, acting style. He has a, he has a very like a, a style that seems to be kind of built for the stage. He has a style that's uh, clearly. When I say professional, I mean that not necessarily in a one hundred percent in a positive way. Um, not, because not, I think that uh, what uh, Enzo Washington is. Well, Romero gets such a like when when he why, uses why do you these. Why some other black guy? What's what's wrong with you, dude? Calm down. Okay, <laughs> calm down. Okay. <laughs> When we, when we look at uh, Barbara here, I, I don't know the actress's name. I apologize. When we look Judith at, O'Day. When we look, it's okay. When we look, at, when we look at Judith O'Day. Clearly not someone who is um, giving a mannered, kind of technically perfect performance. And yet it's sort of like kind of deeply emotional. Like we, and we kind of follow along her, her emotional emotion. line. Yeah, just right? pure emotion. Just go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Um, Jones is a much more uh, technically proficient performer. And he's brilliant in the role. I'm not saying he's not. But um, you can kind of watch him, and you can tell that he's not necessarily used to film acting. And he's kind of an academic. Also, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, and you kind of see that sometimes in other, you know, sort of, sort of, you know, inside the actor studio kind of, you know, actors. Well, the thing is, like, this, like, to him was, like, the biggest set he'd ever been on because it's a big house. And, like, I love the way he does. He does – the thing is, he doesn't stand there and give a line. He moves about the house. His house is his studio. Like he will move about the set and do things and be very bright, but yet still be stone cold the whole time because this house is going to get torn down anyway before they did this film. So go to town, have fun, you know? And they set up just enough. They only have like three cameras, I think, at max. And they let Dwayne be the set. And that's the best part about this film. It is so great. I love that we we um, kind of ease into the way that uh, characters are introduced here, because mm-hmm. uh, we're now what um, looking at the time code. Oops, sorry, thirty minutes. Uh, yeah, thirty minutes or something 30, like that. Yeah, thirty-two minutes in, and um, we've really only met. I mean, three characters, and one of them is dead. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, certainly watching this the first time, I like. I kind of thought this is going to be the movie. You know. We're we're just gonna sit here and watch Dwayne Jones, uh, you know, hammer nails into wood. 
for for uh for for another uh you know hour and uh it's gonna be great and you know we're gonna get some zombie action whatever but uh coming up pretty soon we're gonna like we're going to add a whole bunch more characters um i I love the fact that you gotta explode into life like oh by the way how you doing (laughs) and there are all these people who have been like in the cellar for the entire time we've been walking around you know there are people that have just been listening to all this happen for for hours of on-screen time um or, or you know, sort of, sort of in in universe time, um, and I have not come up. And uh, yeah, no. Once we, for for me, the movie begins once we get into the dynamics of the uh, of the various kind of groups of people and the sort of cliques that form. And um, right. you know, I like the fact that when Mister Cooper's like, I didn't hear anything. What are you like? Oh, I heard a lot of screaming. Well, I didn't hear anything. I thought you said you didn't hear. I, I can't tell anything from down there. Like <laughs> you bitch. Right. <laughs> it's like, wow, you're fucking amazing. But now, like, like right here with with uh, Carl or Dwayne Jones, we're we're getting that. We're still getting that sense of like, let's let's make the zombies be zombies. Let's make the zombies act like zombies. Let's make everything like let's these two people be afraid in this house and try to fight against it. We're setting everything up so everything makes sense when everything goes down. It's a nice little build up. It's a beautiful build up. It's exactly what I love about a film. It's probably the best buildup he's ever Romero's ever done on Ex- one of his films, yeah. really. Yes, because a lot of those is like, oh, well, we got zombies everywhere, and the next thing, oh, it's quiet for a while, and then we have zombies everywhere. But where did you have where you didn't have zombies everywhere? Like, like every film that he has ever did, like Dawn of the Dead, starts with zombies everywhere. Day of the Dead, zombies everywhere. Like, okay, can we have one where there isn't zombies everywhere? Okay, and you actually have some character buildup for a second, mm-hmm. and there you go. This is the film that does that. So here we go, like, Afraid of Fire. Like, these zombies, they're much more informed by, like, the Universal Frankenstein's monster at this point. Fire bad! I'll go back to the Phil Hartman episode. Fire bad! Yeah, pretty much. And, I mean, definitely a lot of the inspiration was... uh, There's definitely some Universal monster inspiration there. Because this is kind of the transition point between the classic monsters into like the modern age of kind of horror. Yeah. So you, you do see shades of that. And then you see, I, I, I personally just the way the ghouls look, they look a lot like the dead people in carnival of souls to me. Yeah. I was going to say that like there's two, there's two uh, films that you've already done it. that reference this film carnival of souls from 1962. And the other one is uh, Last Man on Earth. Right, Vincent Price. Yep, which of course is based on without Iron without Legend. those two films, this film would have never happened. Without those two films, you have to understand. Like a lot of people, people don't take Carnival of Souls. They don't take Last Man on Earth very seriously. Without those two films, the face of horror today would look very, mm-hmm. very, very different. And there's a lot of Last Man on Earth elements in this, like just the. I mean, Vincent Price has his barricaded house. Mm-hmm. Right. Or the, the epic ending where I'm dying for all of you, you bastards. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Where he, you know, he, he's, he's fending off ghouls every night who are coming into his house, and he's got all these elaborate traps and mm-hmm. shit like that. Like, yeah. Now, the one thing I will say is most of this was shot in Evan City. The Evan City Cemetery, the house was mm-hmm. outside of Evan City. Not too far, but it has burnt down. It's not no longer there. Um, you see the chapel, which has been rebuilt. 
However, the chapel has no uh, windows, as you see in the film. Now it has windows, and just I'm just saying. Uh, the other thing is most of this other thing you'll see Evan City the whole time. They're in the house. However, the only other scene, the only scenes actually in this film were shot because like, it was like the first film was shot in Pittsburgh. I'm like the only parts of this film ever, ever, ever shot in Pittsburgh were the basement of the uh, uh, Image Ten Studio. Right in Pittsburgh, that's this all host- basement shots. Yeah, this host didn't have a basement. It didn't have a. It was an old. Uh, uh, it was actually a basement, but just like mine, it was an old hand dug basement. Oh, so, so it's dirt, only yeah. it's, it's only about four feet tall. Crawl space, yeah. Exactly. So you have to go somewhere else, and they went to the uh, uh, Leighton Image, and uh, it was it uh, Image Ten Studios, yeah. which is in Pittsburgh, and that's when they did most of the basement stuff with. Uh, um, Carl Harding and uh, Marilyn Eastman. Right at the and time, they were and they go for it. I was just going to say that's where they kept all the negatives and stuff for this, and apparently Absolutely. there was fl- flooding damage that destroyed all the original like work print and negatives yep. of this. All the all the original stuff was all destroyed. By, yep. Yeah. Now, right now, Carl Hardman and Marilyn Eastman they've worked together for quite a long time, but they're still a uh, single. And later, Carl Hartman and Mayor Eastman actually became married. Yeah, yeah. And now, Carl, uh, the person that you see in the basement, the, the young lady, Carl Schoen, was actually Carl Hartman's daughter. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, it's not Marilyn Eastman's daughter. It's a marriage before that. But that's uh, Carl Hartman's daughter, which I didn't know that when I grew up watching it. But I was like, hey, I actually got a chance to talk to her. And that's what she said. I was like, well, that's pretty fucking awesome. So, pretty good. I don't know much about the film, but what I do, I really like it. So, I like the I like the film quite a lot. So, I love how physical the film is. Mm-hmm. It's it's very I raw. Love, and I love how you know you watch him nailing boards into walls. You watch him moving stuff around. You, you kind of get a sense of this space. And, I mean, you know, we could talk about um, Barbara's character. We could talk about, you know, she kind of withdraws into herself. And, you know, I I don't know. I have a hard time blaming the film for that. I mean, because it is a, a really wonderful performance. And we do get kind of other uh, women doing things uh, elsewhere in the film. I mean, it's sort of an interesting decision, regardless of sort of like where it comes from. Um, and I have a hard time yeah. blaming a film in 68 for not being... Well, I know. mean, a lot of this uh, stuff with, with uh, her was a, a little bit of a lackluster um, script. And it was more a train to say, okay, now go inside. Like, it was like, it was kind of one of those, we're going to half-ass a script for a girl that should be screaming the whole time. If you know what I mean? I think, like, unfortunately. But what she did with the film, like what the piss-poor script that she got, I think she did pretty well. But Appar- I agree. With well, you. apparently, it was from what I've read. Originally, it was written that her character was a bit more assertive and strong, but they liked her performance so much of being, you know, sort of traumatized that they just mm. kind of rewrote around that. So, which makes sense with the uh, remake in nineteen ninety. P- Patricia Tallman, yummy, yummy. Yeah. No, uh, Dikey, Dikey. In a really great way. No, I know. I like I Patricia Tallman. I, I love Patricia Tallman. Biter, nibbler. It, I, I, 
I, I don't know if you guys noticed, when you look at the uh, body he's pulling away from upstairs there, you look at the blood splatter on the hallway, it looks like basically someone rushed her and bashed her head against the wall, and that's what killed her. No. Oh. Because it's not a gunshot blood splatter. It's no, like a no. smack into the wall and then like a smudge and a smear downwards. And it, was a, it wasn't Hershey syrup. It's not Psycho. Go. It's not Hershey syrup. It's like Ballsmouth. It's called Ballsmouth syrup. It's a chocolate syrup from the area. It's not Hershey, but it is chocolate syrup. Yeah. And here we go. We got our other characters. Harry. And Tom, rest in peace, shot himself later as a dentist. Jeez. Yeah, he is definitely dead. He killed himself. I always think this guy looks like uh, Rob Corddry. <laughs> he does look just like him, doesn't he? Holy shit. I mean, now you can't unsee it now that I've seen no, it. No, I just, can't. Just fucking like Rob Corddry. I Cordry. fucking can't. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my god, he's ex- he looks exactly like him. <laughs> So we basically got our Rob Corddry uh, lookalike, our, our kind of businessman, our kind of, uh, you know, dickhead. And then we've got, like, All-American football star is sort of, right. the, you know, the the other guy. He's the um, uh, Shucks All-American boy. Right. Yeah. And uh, this, this is kind of, for, for me, this is where the film really starts, you know. Um, the, the, the stuff that we've seen before this is is great and sort of, like, set in the mood and atmosphere – but this is this is kind of what these films do is they put an external threat and then give us characters who have to respond to that threat. And the whole film is really about what are we going to do about this and whose ideas are going to uh, win out in the room and uh, how are we going to respond to that? I mean, it, it, it becomes a it becomes this deeply involved character drama really really quickly. Because yeah. of the like the threat of death outside, and I, I and I mean as we go on, I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about it more. But uh, eventually, <laughs> the irony comes out that maybe someone's ideas weren't as good as the other person's that you weren't sympathizing right. with. I mean, I mean, this Rob Cordry here is a complete shithead. Yeah, complete shithead. He is absolutely. You're supposed to hate him throughout the movie. And yet, it turns out, in the end, his idea ends up being the best idea. Yeah. You know, go hide in the basement. Of course, it's only the best just because the zombies didn't actually, or the ghouls didn't actually break the door down, right? You know, which nobody could predict ahead of time. But right. it ends up being like, yeah, you're right. Let's go in the basement. There's going to be a group of people, a bunch of rednecks are going to come and kill all the ghouls tomorrow morning, yeah. and we'll be able to come out, and everything's going to be fine. As long as you're not the black guy, then you get killed. But, you know, other than that, everybody's fine. But I love the, I love the performance because... And this is actually, like, Harry's another really strong performance here because he just... He, he sells this asshole who is obviously fucking scared and he's trying to assert himself because he's so scared. Like, he's he's, he's trying to, you know, he's trying to rise above that. And, and, and he's... And I mean, he's kind of a... Like you get the idea that in his real life he's kind of a small person and that he's a bully. And oh yeah, you know, no. out of this he's one of the most amazing actors because he's the one mm-hmm. of the most quiet, beautiful guys you've ever met in your life. It's like one of those kind of deals. Like really, you're him? He's such a douche. <laughs> wow, 
fantastic. Look how high he wears his pants. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Look at look at how he stands. Like, like look at look at Dwayne Jones here. You know, he's kind of like got this suave, you know, kind of like, you know, slightly laconic look. He's almost got a James Dean quality to him, you know. Right, right. And then all American guy, you know, kind of standing there like I'm a I'm a stocky big guy. This year, you know, but then you look at you look at Harry and he's just I mean he's he's literally like gesticulating. He he's kind of got a slight like scoliosis like tilt to him. Yeah. There's this there's this very clear, I mean, you know, um almost like a twelve angry men kind of character. We just know? had gesticulating oh. on the show, by the way. Yeah. We we, we are we are not without our moments. Yeah. Well as as fingers were being like chopped off with uh wood. At that, yeah, the, the clay clay fingers with the uh, syrup in them. Yep, I love the fact yeah, and that now you get. That, I love the shadows in that, that shot. Fear. Sorry, I was just. Oh no, the shadow. The, no, I completely that noir shadowy chaos this film has. I love the, the black and white. Let the shadows hide what the the viewer is supposed to fill in. It's so great. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love. Well, this. I mean, it's 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 noir, but it's also sort of social realism. There's there's a hint of. Uh, I don't know anything about social realism. I'm pretty thick, but I get it at the same time. Sure. <laughs> because it, because there's a reality here. Because we're we're not kind of like it's not kind of larger than life, you know. And the, the naked shot, the naked shot. Oh my dick is hard. <laughs> he got to love the naked zombie, right? Oh yeah. And you get to see Marilyn Eastman as a zombie eating a bug off a tree. How cool is that? Oh, I love right the, there she is, baby. Oh, she's beautiful. I just love the image of all these zombies just walking around and and I and I like that like Romero through all the zombie films, he just brought on all these extras and said, just do whatever you kinda wanna do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zombie, if you show someone how to be a zombie, you'll have a hundred people being like you. Because if they were, if, yeah, if they were training these people, they'd all be doing fucking Boris Karloff, right? Mm-hmm. They'd be th- no, they'd be doing Thriller. Damn. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they could well be well. Thriller wasn't a thing at that point, but well, I mean, oh, yeah, but I think like it, the greatest thing is like Evan, like Night of the Living Dead and the Crazies. Everyone from the local area came by and made a fucking film. Yep, you can't do that anymore. That's a dead art. That's why uh, Romero. I think he's. I think he's a Canadian citizen, though, from what I understand. Now the fucking traitor. Yeah, but you know, with Dawn <laughs> of the Dead, the same thing. Dawn of the Dead. Every, even one of the. Even a couple of the Steelers at the time came and made Dawn of the Dead. Like they got dressed up. They had a good time. It's something you can't do with a film anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're shooting, unless you're like truly like so low budget and independent. Now it's. It's not a, it's not a community effort, you know. I still wonder what the hell are you fucking swing, swinging around, Carl Hartman? Like, like Mr. Cooper's got this thing, and I don't even know what it is—like a rusty is this some, some sort of machine. Is it a pipe? It's, like, it a, pipe? it's a, a rustiest oh, pipe it, I've ever it, seen. It in looks my like life. He just, looks like he just broke off a rusty like metal something from something. Yeah, it is horrible looking. Like, like okay, it's not a machete. Well, what the fuck is it? Like, well, no, the, the the story, like the the sort of backstory you glean from them, is that their car was like 
in a like either a traffic jam or something like that, and their daughter got bit when a bunch got of knocked over. Yeah, run, right? so it was like is like a bent like a exhaust pipe or something like that. Something like that. Like something he like, just yeah. something he just found. Yeah, I was him. I was just assuming it was like a piece of plumbing or something. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks like it. It looks like a too, a bent piece well, of half inch pipe. Yeah. Well, it's too, it's too it looks too thin to me to be a pipe. It looks like it's a metal like just a piece of like some structure that was so rusty that and he just broke that it off. is the one question i don't think I, anyone like what are you caring dude it looks like a rusty piece of fucking leather or what the fuck is it like <laughs> let me know even like a little it's too thick to be something that you poke a fire with i mean what is that thing yeah it is i, I like to i like to think this is a uh, family sitcom that, that happened in an alternate universe it is these three characters like hanging out in the cellar and uh, you know, talking about who who burned the eggs this week, you know. <laughs> I love when he gets so angry he kills the cigarette. Like fuck you, I'm I'm the man, and that's the cigarette right there. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I just came. When he just like throws the cigarettes at the ground because I'm so disgusted with you. The, this guy, this guy is such a like middle manager who like feels like <laughs> he has like the slightest amount of power. And he gonna... gets shit on by his superiors the entire time. And so now he's like, now it's my time. It's my time, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm gonna cr- I'm gonna crump off this memo and you get to see what's what. And he takes it out on his family. It's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you know. I don't know. I mean he's total I mean he's totally like I mean he, this guy beats his wife. Like there's no Yeah. There's, well, there's no uh, he's going to. Not yet. She's still she's still too pretty. In the original oh man, uh in the original script they went even darker where he turns and he actually um, he actually kills and eats his daughter. That's pretty hot. Yeah. So, I mean, like like I was saying, like um, this is not necessarily too gory for nineteen sixty eight, but some of the subject matter in this is incredibly bleak, considering yes. that this film was released without a rating, and children were going into this watching in the theaters, like. When when you look at the initial like opening of this with the graveyard and stuff, it's like okay, that's just B movie monster movie fair from the fifties, right? But then you get into Ben driving a fucking tire iron into some motherfucker's eye socket, you know, mm-hmm. and and after that you start realizing no, there's some more serious shit going on in this film. Mm-hmm. As even even uh, um, Daniel says, the co- the social commentary of this is very deep. It's very big. And, like, it's funny when you actually get the stuff that actually caused a riot. You didn't, like, Ben doing the stuff, like, did at first didn't cause a riot. It's Ben pushing the girl to the ground, the little kid. Like, oh, that's a big deal. Like, yeah. Like, that is a big deal. Oh, uh, really? There's not anything, you're not picking up anything like anything else? Really? Okay. For the first time you ever watched this, you know, that's the only thing you picked up. Okay, hmm. cool. And we're, we're talking about big movie reviewers, too. We're not talking about a five-year-old kid that never watched it for the first time. We're talking like, that's, you just went ape shit over, he pushed a kid. Okay, that's mm-hmm. cool. I like that. I, I do, I think it's very in, in very interesting that the whole uh, nuclear thing was pushed back then, too. In the 60s, like, like I, oh. I listened to a lot of music, and... A lot of music from the '80s was pushing the nuclear thing. Like all the thrash metal stuff is all about nuclear this and nuclear that. I'm like, okay, it's been on. They're still pushing it. They're still trying to go like, hey, nuclear is bad. Nuclear is bad. Like this nuclear war, nuclear war. And it's like, wow. Okay. And they're yeah, doing it back is... in the '60s, and they were doing the '50s. Yeah, this is this is almost. Uh, 
this is a little beyond the atomic age stuff. This is this is based well. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's it, definitely still, not atomic age vampire because that's a fucking classic. And no, I mean, there's radiation, but I mean, you know, the little bit of uh, pretext in the background that maybe is the re- reason is you know radiation from a space probe. I mean, it's much more topical at that point where you know, hey, we just been on the moon or we're getting there. You know, I like and, the fact that they actually did shoot that in. In Washington, too. Yeah, they did the military uh, interviews or whatever, and Russo and George Romero were part one, two of the interviewers. In and actually, thing. when they, when you when they actually start banding together and the the Molotov cocktails start getting thrown out the window, the guy who gets caught on fire is George Russo in, a, yeah. in his own military outfit because he was in the military before that, and that was his own military outfit. They they <laughs> caught him on fire, and so that's pretty cool. Going back to the, uh, the the atomic stuff, um, you listen to the score for a lot of this, and you look at the sort of the way that the you know I was kind of joking about it as a sitcom earlier, um, but there is a there is a sort of a sense of this is sort of a fifties film, or it's responding to the sort of the stereotypes of the fifties, which you know a dude in his you know kind of early to mid twenties in nineteen sixty eight would have you know basically been just kind of making films about his childhood to a certain degree. Right. Um, And so, so there is like, I mean, you you look at like, you know, her hair, you look at, you look at the characters, you look at the football star and the advertising executive or whatever that guy's supposed to be. And um, I mean, these are, these are kind of fifties movie stereotypes. These are almost like Douglas Sirk film characters kind of wandering around in this, in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. um, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the like the music from this is all like capital EMI uh high quality stock library music and most of it was kind of 50s era yeah library music I mean I mean com- compare this to compare this to Dawn of the Dead which has you know all original score and you know is much more kind of synth electronic and and Well this know, was I mean, this low is... budget as low budget can be so I understand that Right No 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 I mean I I, I think I, you know it's low budget is like once you once you know what budget you're working on you work within the constraints you have and they use it Absolutely. artistically you know they use it in a way and like it doesn't feel generic although it kind of is a little generic because they're kind of repurposing it in a very modern way for um this uh this kind of new situation this kind of response to it and and so you know in a, in a way i mean we're making this in 68 and you can't oh, yeah deny and, and, this sort and of right now we're talking stuff. about this and in one year we'll have a 50th anniversary of this film yeah and it's like okay whatever you guys did you did it right but yeah. at the same time at the time was it hokey when they first did it you think i don't know but it's pretty. It's pretty. Like it's hokier. The more you see it now, the more yeah, the hokier it is, and it's not. You can play with things. Um, nothing. My, honestly, nothing in this feels hokey to me. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it's very viable. I, I think it feels very period. I think it feels very real to the time that it was. It was done. Um, I mean, even though like the music used in it is the stock library fifty stuff. And I mean, some of it is actually recognizable stuff that you hear on like other TV shows and movies. Like, there's the movie Teenagers from Outer Space from 1959. Some of the music from that, and it was just library music. Same library music is used in this. And I think it it's very 
well done. I mean, just seeing stuff like this with the TV, with the news reporters and stuff, when, grounds it in reality for yeah, me. When you actually watch the news report, that's actually the sound booth from a- Image 10. They turned they turned it into a news booth, but that's actually the sound recording studio for Image 10. And the, the, the girl in the background that you see with the beehive back in there, she is actually the zombie that you see in the, in the uh, night dress, the long sleeping dress. Huh. Yeah, that's her. I always think that this just kind of looks like uh, NASA footage. Yeah, you know, it does. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, it's a dude. You know, it's a newsreader with like a kind of kind of big glasses talking into a uh, into a camera with a headset. You know, I always think I always think it looks like you know, man has landed on the moon. You know, like there he goes. This is it, and live what? from NASA now from the moon. When, which I mean, this is Apollo was... era. I mean, this is this is straight up. This is right in the midst of Apollo. So that's not that's not an accident. You know. Yeah. The one great thing I'll say about the colorized version of this film, all the TV stuff you see is still black and white. Oh, that's <laughs> that, that was at least the smartest decision they made mm-hmm. after colorizing. And, the zombie, the and, and they, they only color the zombies, the, the only only the slightest. So they, they basically stay set in less, uh, black and white, and it gives it a very nice feel. Yeah. Oh, and there you got the uh, rescue stations that, you, again, you see in Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I love when they do it, and I go, "I've been there, I've been there, I've been there." <laughs> like it's like, oh, "I've been there." I, I will say, I'm watching this on the. Uh, we're watching this on the YouTube version for this uh, recording, but I watched the uh, restored and remastered uh, DVD edition, and uh, they've cleaned up the the visuals enough to where you can actually see the uh, the text. The text, because yeah, usually it's white, it's it white, it's white, it's white. It's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, and that's that Romero without a beard, guys. Just understand that. Like, your turtleneck, no beard. Hold on, okay. is he the interviewer? Is yeah. that Romero? Yeah, it's Romero right there. No <laughs> beard, turtleneck. The Orson, the Orson Welles-iest looking person who ever the, Orson, Orson Welles ever, 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 ever has ever existed. Yes, exactly, <laughs> Daniel. Nicely done. Thank you. <laughs> Here he is. I just love the fucking tweed jacket. The tweed jacket makes it like, oh, if you pee on that, it's going to smell fabulous. And he's sitting and chatting with uh, the Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart. That's clearly mm-hmm. uh, the person he's talking to. The one person in this film, and you haven't really seen him yet, I don't believe. I don't think so. The one person I absolutely have a fucking phenomenal love for, and I think he did his role absolutely perfectly, being a country fucking bumpkin as I am. Is George Kasana as the sheriff? He is so good in this film. He does everything the way I would absolutely expect a country sheriff to do because I have to deal with them all the time, and they do exactly that shit. Like George Kasana is is so great, and he was so nice. I actually got a chance to meet him. I got his autograph, and he was very good. I've been to Willard. Actually, Zilpoli is the closest place to uh, Evan City, next to Butler. Lee, you still there? No, he's uh, he's muted because he went to, to take a dookie. Ah, well, that's fair. 
Pookie, Pookie, Doogie, Doogie. Yeah, I, I think this. Uh, who, who's the guy playing the All American football star guy? Oh, Tom. Oh, the guy there who played Tom. I, I don't know his. I can't remember his role at the top of my head, and that's why he shot him. So probably, yeah, Tom. Yeah, Tom is. Uh, yeah, he's the All American football star. I can. I don't worry. I can do it. I kind of. I kind of uh, feel like he's the. He always feel like he feels like he's reading off cue cards in this. No, film. he. No, he. He really does. And the the best thing is. Uh, if you look at the, uh, I'll tell you about my family. If you look at the thing of uh, where the rescue station are at Greensburg, that's where my grandfather was born. Like, it's like, I am so Pennsylvania. It's disgusting. <laughs> the Beaver Falls is a great brewery I've been to. It's like, it's one of those things. It's like, ah, oh, I'm so Pennsylvania. It's disgusting. But no, Tom always feels like he does. He goes, oh, I'm just going to tell you this because I'm the old man football star. And like, he reads off cue cards. He does. He does get a lot of that. But I really like, I really like his role though, because he gives it that kind of I don't know that kind of leave it to Beaver quality to this film that is right. really well, nice. which which just feeds back into that whole fifties thing. That, it does, you know. it does, it really does. I like it though. I like that feeling. I think you're correct though. At the same time, I like that. Absolutely. And then uh, you know his girlfriend, um, Judith. Yeah, Judith. Judy. I mean, she's, she, Judy she, yeah. she's great. She's she's kind of got nothing to do in the film. I but, can't really. I'll, I'll tell you what. If you ever watch nothing but vanilla, oh, there's always vanilla. She is fucking fantastic in that film. Oh, is she in that? Naked as shit and lickable. I was like, uh, are you naked right now? Because I'm totally hard. Like, are you serious? Because she's got like, like a that, to- she's got a total demon denim thing going on there. Oh uh, yeah, but jacket. I like that. I like that. But I actually went and I met her. And I, I'm so glad I watched There's Always Vanilla, and then I met I met her before that because if I, I watched oh, There's Always Vanilla and met her, I'd be like, okay, I'm sorry, I know your grandma, but I have the weirdest grandma bone right now because, like, you're fucking hot as shit. And she's still hot as shit. Like, even today, she's got the grandma hairdo, but she looks exactly the same as now. Huh. I was like, okay, you're still hot. This is not cool. Man, look at these There's guys. A big can of kerosene. Yeah, like, I, got, I got kerosene, and it's so it's so inflammatory. You never blow that shit up, except it's kerosene. It's just I mean, that's the that's the that's the kind of acting that I would do. Is like I have a line. I'm gonna like put my finger up and like point. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna line, dictate you know? the fact that I've got a line, motherfucker. There's a there's a can of kerosene down there. Oh, you know? wait a that's second. Cool. I've got a can of kerosene. Oh, look at this. It's not a can, but it's a box. There's I a whole box of kerosene because that's how we store kerosene. And I found some jars <laughs> and, some, and some towels. I got a, I got a candle. I got a key to the fucking pump. Let's do this shit. I've got pecs well, and kerosene. That's that's who this guy is. Well, this is a this is a rural country home in Pennsylvania. They're not exactly caring about safety. They're it, it's the uh, what are you trying to say, Lee? I'm saying what you're all hillbillies. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm saying it's the well. I'm not because, gonna say you're wrong. Because I have lots of cans of gasoline outside that is not safe and not OSHA regulated, so I completely agree with you. <laughs> but at the same but time, at, fuck me. But at the same time, fuck you, Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, this is, I see the same thing here all the time, too, because where I live is fairly rural in Nova Scotia, where it's that attitude of, you know, that's safe, I'm good, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing, I'm not going to blow myself up. If you blow yourself up, you know what, fuck you. I mean, when I worked at a gas station here... Uh, people would come in and you they actually just... worked. Oh yeah, I worked. 
Wow. Oh, you have to work oh, in Canada? I thought, yeah. I thought it was just all You're like... fucking fascist? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, fucking guys would come off the fucking mountain in their, in their pick-em-up trucks with their fucking uh, wooden fucking uh, trailers on them and shit. You have mountains in Nova Scotia. Well, no, I mean, we call them the mountains, but they're just like the, the, the smallest part of the Appalachians. But, uh, but they, they fucking, they, they come down from there in their trucks. They would be filling up their fucking uh, gas pick cans em, for the pick lawnmower. Pick them up trucks. Yeah, their pick, pick them up trucks. trucks, yeah. Filling their gas cans, smoking at the fucking pumps. Do you hear this so, shit, Daniel? You hear this shit he's talking? He's talking lots of shit. It's pretty fantastic. It's pretty I, I love it. It's actually got me really, really hard thinking about my pick em out truck. It's just that attitude. Oh, I can smoke and walk <laughs> up and gas. It, it won't see, catch see, oh, see, here, guys. We don't. We could play this game, but I'm from Alabama, so why? Oh, <laughs> he would lose instantly. Yeah, he you lose automatically. Like there's no hills, there's no this, and there's no that. You just lose. You're, you're done. I you am the winner. What? I'm the winner. You know what? You were saying Rob Codge, uh, Rob Caldry, uh before with uh, with Harry. Which sure. guy kind of looks like Steve Carell with like a lot of muscle mass on him. A young That's Steve Carell. That's mm-hmm. pretty fantastic. I'm telling you. It's like Steve Carell's early, like, softcore porn career. Right. That's, that's getting me hard. I'm just thinking about it right now. It's like I'm Sylvester thinking. Stallone when it he was like, like, porn. Like, yeah. Like, 30, the 30th person that's not a virgin. Oh, it's pretty good. I like it. Oh, that that deep hug. That deep hug. Ugh. This guy oh. almost feels like like if this movie was made... Even like five years earlier, this guy would be the hero of the movie. I'm touching yeah. a girl. Well, or, or if it, I mean, there is a, there is a degree in which all of the sort of well, the men in the film, I mean, you know, the you know, the, are are kind of three male leads. There's all, the, uh, there's only any one of them two, could be the, the there's lead. A, I, there's only two male in the film. The rest of them are all bitches. So there's only like you have <laughs> Ben and you have Cooper and the rest. They're all bitches. So yeah, deal with it, sons. You got bad and you got worse. Pick one. And you know what? You didn't get any because you know what? They all fucking died. That's the best part of the film. Spoilers, like, uh, Paul. Spoilers. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Did I spoil it? I just spoiled it. Okay, I'm not. They all live except the ones that died. Right. Thank you. See, took it back. I took it way back. I went the way back machine, and I took that fucker back. Hey, thanks for that. I'm gonna shove it in my pants. <laughs> I don't know why he put in his pants. I'm like, Let me just shove that fucking down my my dick. I'm like, yeah, is that, yeah, you don't have a pocket. So, so I I read that they actually had like markings where like all the yeah. wood was supposed to go. They didn't. So they did, to, they actually didn't so, to do matching markings. footage, yeah. They you can see some of them. They, they actually had writings on the board that correlated to the markings on the wall. So each yeah. like thirty nine board was a thirty nine board. Like and so they you must, just, yeah. If you looked right there, there was a number on one of those boards. Yeah, they had the, the board marked with the wall. Yeah, some of them. Some of them they actually put on backwards. If you so, if you, you look so close I, enough. I also I also do love this moment where he has to. Uh, like shove the curtain above the rod because that's not something you see in a film in 2017. That's not no. something you see when you do a second take. That's the uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> that's the yeah we got one shot. Ah, it's fine. It's fine. 
It's good. It's fine. Yeah, dude. If you ever watch me make a film, you'll see a lot of. That's fine. Just shut the fuck up. That's all I can do. I can't do a second take. I'm not bothered. I, mean, I can't be bothered to that. Oh man, this plan well, he, is. Well, you're, 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 uh, and that is, you'll get to see uh, uh, Russo here get light on, lit on. Right, fire. right. Man, this plan just fails miserably. <laughs> I, it's, it's not, I love, it's I like not a terrible plan. plan. It's not a no, terrible no, plan, but it's it right very, very badly. Fire, but like, well, the the, the whole point is that. The whole point is that not everyone's on board with everyone else as far as get, you, making the plan work. Keep the right. bitches inside because the bitches screw it up. My ticket's cut. Boom. Oh, yeah, you're all dead. Well, Harry screws it up and Judy screws it up. And, like, who shoots a fucking gas tank? Like, I'm sorry, like, he does it correctly, but who shoots at a gas tank? No one. No one, Ben. No one. Remember that talk we had a few minutes ago about hillbillies who think they know what they're all, doing? All, all, look, 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 <laughs> just because he's black doesn't mean he's not a hillbilly, and that's where we're trying to we're trying to get at that. He's still a hillbilly, and he's going to shoot it because I can do it no wrong. I'm magic. Boop. Get away from the truck. There's Harry, that asshole. What an asshole! I just go, I got lit fire and a fucking, I'm going to shoot the gas tank. We're good. And the guy's like, I am so shitty. Like, I want a pizza and I'm defecating myself right now. So why not light them all on the fire? Fuck it. Okay, so there you see a big mistake that's made in almost every zombie movie. And I don't know how they feel like they can get away with it. But Ben just did something there. He shot a zombie in the torso where he clearly could have shot that zombie in the head. And he knows that's the only way to kill these motherfuckers. It's it's in the fucking heat of the moment, Lee. I guess, I guess but I mean, like... The Every time we ever had sex, you always shoot on me in the torso. You never shot me in the head. Well, I mean, that's a different story. It's in the heat of the moment. That's because he didn't want you to die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, love, I love this shot because it is... I mean, this is really good direction because it establishes where the torch is going to be. But don't worry. Let me shoot this off. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck so, me. So it actually... I noticed it on this watch through. Like, all of this is, like, actually, like, physically and uh, visually represented ahead of time that, like, this was going to be a disaster. Yeah, yes. they had it all. They had it all plotted. Well, I mean, the other thing is, like, dude, this like, whole this they, whole little they moment, did yeah. a great job doing it. And the other thing is, they're so far uh, away from the house now that Hardman would have never been able to react. That he would have like not known what was going on. So we, he did a reaction, even though he's so far away from the house. It would be like, I see fire. So, like you, so like <laughs> you know, the thing is, like it's but like. They do it so it's so close up, like he's getting everything that's happening, and you you can't see it from that direction. But at the same time, you get it. You don't need to ask those questions. Like you're like, oh, I get it. Oh, my jacket's caught. The best line in the film. The best line in the film. My jacket's caught. Boom. Yeah, I, I should end. apologize. I was wrong. Judy doesn't screw up in this film. She just has her jacket cut in the door. It, it's the my remake. It's the remake where Judy screws up. Oh, are you fucking kidding me? It's my jacket's cut. That's the best line in the film. My tickets cut. Oh, really? in, the, in, the, in the remake, it's Judy is driving the truck. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's wrong. No, it's it's Tom that's driving, and my tickets cut. Boom. Really? Your jacket? I'd be like, you know what? See ya. I'd leave. You know what? Fuck it. I get another girl. 
I gone. think Dwayne Jones is just kind of a bad shot. I think he's yeah, just like it. Are you saying like he's a bad shot because all you can see is his shirt because he's Negro? What is? Are you trying to say there? I'm just saying, like he 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 is probably not as well practiced with the gun as other people in this area might be, and yeah. uh, you know, like he's a hell. He's, I mean, like, like it's, it's, it's I tell it's, you what, him and a torch, they get along pretty well because he fucked up that whole crew with a fucking torch. I mean, really, he, the the best the best the best thing he can do is just use fire against. Them. Yeah, fire. He's just what he, he, uses, he uses fire multiple times. He's really good at it, though. Fight. Like he is, yeah. and like the best thing is like. You son of a bitch! That look right there, you son of a bitch! Oh yeah. my god! And then Rob, and then Rob Cordry doesn't let him in, just as yeah. Rob Cordry did not let black people onto the Daily Show. Okay, we're, we're gonna. We're, <laughs> no, don't worry, don't worry. To help me, I will help you secure the door, and I'm gonna punch the fuck out of you when I'm done because fuck you. I'm like, oh, it's so good. Can we? Can we? Can we all agree that if uh, Dwayne Jones had stuck to using a torch at the end of Night of the Living Dead, where oh, he, he would have survived, he would have survived. <laughs> Motherfucker, I got a torch, son. I'm sick of all these motherfucking zombies with these motherfucking torches. Like, I, yeah, he would have. I mean, the, 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 he would have the, been the, the Samuel L. Jackson of his day. Absolutely. The, the posse would have come back, come by and said, hey, that zombie's got a torch. It must not be a zombie. Yeah, because, like, look at me. I'm waving the torch around, asshole. Oh, yeah, it's pretty much. Yeah. I'll shoot you because you're. That, that's because you're black anyway, but you know whatever. Yeah, that that is that is the question is like, and, and I think the film leaves it ambiguous about whether they shoot him intentionally or not. You know, they right, don't right. though. And that's the thing is that that's the problem with this film. It was not written for a black man. It was written for a white guy. Even the death. Well, we'll get to that when we get to the end. No, we won't. I'll do it now. It was written for a fucking white guy. Well, yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna die anyway. It was written one way and then directed, knowing there's a black guy on fucking screen. You're racist. Stop being racist. You make my dick hurt. Well, I don't have one, but if I had one, it would make it hurt. God damn go it! Eat. You're so sexy. And I, uh, that, and you know, actually, most of these people were not the people on the crew that day. Most of the people, that was the the lady from the the, the show. In the uh, sound booth, a lot of the guys that were doing this were actually executives from the office that came down just to do this shot. And the stuff they were eating was ham covered with that chocolate syrup. So yummy. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is the the only thing I got from that was actually it was, it was actually uh, they had the big uh, pig roast. Right. And yeah, that the thing is, I never got the ham covered with chocolate. I actually got it was a big barbecue pig roast and they just went to town. So I don't know what's true, what's not, but um, the guys went on the the twenty fifth anniversary said, yeah, they had a big pig roast, and most of the guys that were actually eating shit and getting slopper shit were actually not even people that were there. It was a record executive executive from the office that came down to get messy, and we're like, go for it, have fun, because I don't feel like it. It's hot and bullshitty, and you have like a good time. So they did it. Pretty We've awesome. And basically sitting there, oh, we fucked up. I, I love that the wife comes up and she's like kind of holding her head. And she's a little bit like, you know, when you have a headache, take BC powder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got a headache this big. <laughs> yeah. Bear. It's new print. Yellow. Different. They, I mean... Daniel makes a good point. They all came from commercials too. So, 
And how many bolts does he have? He didn't look like he had a lot. Actually, uh, Judith Ridley, who played um, Judy in the film, she actually was just an executive. She was a secretary. However, there in the Calgon story, the Calgon story, where the the Calgon company funded a lot of money to the uh, Image Ten. In the Calgon story, you see uh, uh, Hardy, um, Mr. Cooper. However, there's a girl that looks just like her from the distance. That's not actually her. She's not in that. She's not in that uh, commercial, even though that girl in the background looks exactly like her. That's not her. She was only in one beer. She was in one beer commercial, and there's always vanilla. Man, he got quite the <laughs> he got quite the bruise from that punch. So he got all kind of fucked up. I mean, like how many how, how many of us wish we could be in a new Ijami film? Because I said yes. Let's do this. Like, can I be in fault? They can. Let me be a zombie, please. Well, he's making a new one. Yeah, I love Canada, that. I love, I love her expression in that shot. I love. I love the way she looks like eating that. Yeah, but just, just. Um, Clarton. I've had. I actually had a three-pound burger in Clarton. It was fucking fantastic. <laughs> Man. Denny's Beer Barrel Pub. That's a fucking. I just got it. That's a fucking hit. Denny's Beer Barrel Pub. Three bar, three burger uh, challenge. Fucking fantastic. I like that how Ben is now. Like before, he was unsympathetic to uh, Harry, but now he's got to be like semi-forced to try to work with him and rationalize with him because oh shit he's got a family down in the basement. Like, like you're the only dude left I guess I'll try to be nice to you fucking asshole. Yeah. Just for your daughter and your wife's sake. Other than that, fuck you. Yeah. Actually the one guy that they they show in this whole film that was one of the most very sympathetic and very helpful people in the film and actually helped with Dawn of the Dead too that no, they don't give any credit for even though they love them. Like, you know, if you know what I mean, like, they really appreciate the guy off camera, but they don't give him the credit he deserves is Vince. The one guy that is in the posse, he helped so much with Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead. That is just stupid. That's Billy, uh, Billy, Chili Billy. And my dad right. actually grew up watching him on Channel 8, I think it's called. Yeah, Chili Billy Cardinal. Mm-hmm. He did news and a uh, horror and a horror show yeah, on, yeah. on Channel 8, yeah, because my dad just, grew up watching shows. He, he just recently died in, what, a couple years yeah, ago? Yeah, three, three years ago he died of yeah. cancer, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, we all miss him, and uh, I was going to actually see him that year, the year he died. So he died healthy, unfortunately. He was very healthy, but it just kind of took him over. So unfortunately, I didn't have the chance to meet him. And that is George Casana, uh, yep. the sheriff, and he did an amazing job as far as I'm concerned. Second best performance in the film. I agree with that. Just for that yeah. iconic line, really, it's just like, yeah, they're messed up. They're all, yeah, they're, 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 yeah, they're all, they're, they're all, they're all messed up. They're dead. They're all messed up. Beat them or burn them. I, I do kind of. I mean, again, I do kind of wish these were. I, I, I do kind of wish this was the crazies that these that these weren't actually zombies. Hmm. 
Like, but I, but I, the crazies did a really good job. I mean, I have to say, if you watch the crazies, it's the no, no, the crazies is so. brilliant. I mean, the crazies is, uh, I mean, you know, probably. I mean, maybe, maybe this gave enough meat. This this film gave him enough meat to do the crazies. So I'm yeah, glad. Yeah, this, yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm glad both of those films are there because the crazies is just goddamn phenomenal. And you know what? There's people that have never watched it, and there's people that have watched it that don't appreciate. It. Like, how do you not appreciate the crazies? Like, what's wrong with you? It's like there's people that watch Dying Dead that don't like it. I'm like, um, okay, like, really? Oh, there we go. Powers out. Powers out. Rob Quarter's like, well, how am I going to be on camera now? <laughs> <laughs> well, so it, okay, so it's something all dark here. dark in here, motherfucker. So something here. Uh oh. Did they actually spend two days in the house? Because you see the daytime shots of the posse going around shooting zombies. So was this thing ongoing and these guys just sort of walked into it? It was like already going on earlier in the day or what? Because there's kind of a weird uh, shift there between night and day. Oh, right. that's true. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I choose to think that maybe they were just... F- showing footage they had shot earlier in the day. Right. Well, I, I always look at it like it, they're trying to show in a very – don't even try to quote me here. But it's trying to show that it's a progression, a progression of days. Like you have to like, – like, okay, just because it says Willard doesn't mean it's close by. If you don't like it's a it's a progression of days. Like, okay. So, so that might have been happening somewhere else in the state. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere, somewhere close by, because I mean, the posse does eventually get here to this house. So, but now somewhere, like, here, somewhere else, finally, the... finally, the TV is back on, and now the TV is progress, like uh, progressing this, the, that kind of thing. I, I don't really think about it too much, but the thing is, if you try to, you're just gonna get confused because you, you're right. You know, there's only two days. Uh, I think it works. Everything, everything is two days. You know what I mean? So, if you don't look at it too much, I think it it kind of works because I mean, when when uh, when our when Judy and her brother drive up at first, it's like it's already. Implied I mean, it's, it's already it's, happening. Well, yeah, it's implied that it's already late in the day, so it's already happening, and they're just driving to a place so isolated where it hasn't happened as big yet. It's 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 not as widespread yet because it's not a rural area. Or, or I mean, it's it like is. They're a rural driving area. to my house. Right, exactly. So <laughs> it, it takes a bit of time to catch up. That posse's already clearing out people in more populated areas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he turned off the news. He turned off the Venus space probe bullshit. And then they're getting repeat news reports on the TV from hours earlier or whatever, even. And and right here, like Mr. Cooper actually gives you a death that makes you feel bad for Mr. Cooper. But at the same time, you're like, hey, you're still a dick. Mm. You're like, oh my baby, I just, I just want to see my kid. Ah, and you get fucked. No, so close, but yet, and no. Ah. No, I really do like the fact that, you know, this whole time she's comatose and she's like, no, I'm going to fight back, right? I'm going to fight yeah. back. I'm going to save this woman. I'm going to save – and I – yeah, I just kind of – She just kind of comes out of it and then, oh, there's 
somehow Bill Heinzman's zombie did not get killed in the initial attack on the host. He's just kind of, of wandered, not. he kind of oh, wandered right, around to the other side or something. Don't worry. No, I was like, you know, where the phone was. That was where I was. I'm good. I yeah. just, I was, I was, I was texting at the time. But, my baby. My baby. I mean, this is this is such a human moment, right? Because she so can't, it, it is. She I can't, can't process it. Yeah, I can't process. It. I can't get. And like, God, this is. I mean, this is just truly. I mean, I having. Actually, I actually brought. I actually bought a trowel to her just a sign. Apparently, that's in someone's private collection now. It was bought in an auction. That trowel. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, here here's another too. I love that. Like that. Yeah. But here, here's another instance of where they hadn't fully fleshed out the zombie rules yet. The zombie's like straight up slashing, you know, like yeah. that's something you wouldn't see a zombie but do. It, but the but, thing is, it wasn't anything back then. It wasn't yeah, exactly. structured. Yeah. Which is just on the, like, you know, from a modern perspective, because this isn't a zombie movie. I mean, these mm. are... These are just all people. They're just they're just on drugs. That's all this is. Yeah, LSD. It's one of those goddamn marriage. marriage the, the, they're on the wacky weed. That, that's yeah, what yeah. The marriage you wanted. This is werewolf on wheels, motherfucker. So there we got Bill Heinzman. The driving the gloves that come through and pick the driving yeah. gloves up. Yeah, there it is. Goes goes full circle. We see Johnny and that, and that mother that homely motherfucker was smacking the shit out of fucking Judith Ridley's pussy the whole time. Oh my god, you're so fat and ugly. It's hilarious. I was like, you are one lucky son of a bitch. I even told him that when I, was, I saw it. I was like, that, that's your girl? Yeah. You are one lucky son of a bitch because you are ugly as fuck. Takes her I, down like a vampire. It's like a ah, 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 ah. I'm going to eat you like nachos, bitch. Here's where the number... Here's this, where the, that, that. Oh, my God. That was the biggest part of the film. Oh, you can't have that. You can't... You threw a kid down, like not yeah. none of that. Like everything else was fine except for there. And I love the fact is, if you would have just went to the basement, like the fucking guy said, be fine. You yep. stupid bastard. Well, of course, the only reason the zombies ever really got in was because of uh, Harry in the first place. Basically, yeah. they would have got in anyway. Anyway, I mean, there there is that thing of like the true horror of the zombies is yeah, they're slow and they can't catch you if you walk around them or whatever. But, but the idea that they build up in masses until the point where they just push the wall down. Mm-hmm. And if there are enough of them, they're just going to get through the door as well, regardless of how well you can, you know, so the, yeah. so the whole point is you, but here, here's, point like, getting here's to the this best point. thing. They all have tools. Every single one of them has something to beat with or push. There's George Romero right there as a zombie pushing on something. And the and the irony, of course, is that uh, all the banging and stuff that Ben was doing earlier on, like nailing all those boards and stuff, that sound was attracting zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, them trying to fortify themselves was bringing them to them. Yeah, so all these zombies were walking around this big rural area, and it was the sounds that they were hearing from this house that drew them to the well, house. My, my friend and I did a, a little test of zombie walks when we were doing that because mm-hmm. we live in a rural area. It was like something like 13 hours. It would take 13 hours of a zombie walk for me to get to my local town from where I live. Hmm. And I'm like, that's a long-ass time. Like like the original Night of the Living Dead would have never happened. 
because like <laughs> we're just like I'm just trying to get there. Hold, calm the fuck down, guys. We're still working. Work. <laughs> in, in reality, they're in there for like two weeks. That's the yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's one of those kind of deals. Put them all down. I prefer, if it's me, if I'm saying this, I prefer the ending of the original Night of the Living Dead uh, as opposed to the remake of Night of the Living Dead. I prefer this ending. This ending is 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 propitiary or whatever you want to say to what would actually happen. Yeah, well, I mean, with Tony Todd actually becoming a zombie, and yeah, I I like I like the fact that that Dwayne lives and like, oh, I'm good. Oh, cap done. Although there is a bit of sadness there because Patricia Tallman's character sees him, and it's like there there almost feels like there's some recognition there for a brief second where he's staring at her. Yeah, yeah. I like the I like the fact that everyone dies. Everyone should die. That yeah, well, they, exact... they make all the wrong moves and their own inner conflicts damn them. They 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 basically make their own tomb and they seal themselves well, in they're, it. They're humanity, and that's the whole point of the film. This is what mm-hmm. humanity will do. We will seal our own tombs. We will make all of our own mistakes. Even even though we do all the pious and righteous things the whole time, humanity will fuck themselves in the end. And that's the point. We're not having one social commentary here. We're doing the whole thing. And we go. by the end of it, we will all fuck up. Here's Dawn of the Dead. Yep. Because I'm a man. Because I'm, I'm a man. man. Those rednecks must be having a good time by them down there. I yeah. love that scene. That is the sexiest fucking scene in the whole film of Dawn of the Dead. I love that scene. Because that's um, what we do. We have a big posse. We have a fucking big party. We do things. We have a good time. I've actually been across that bridge. It's fucking fantastic. My new thing now is uh, my new field. My new field trip for a film would be I'm going to do all the locations of Midnight. Right on. My, yeah, I'm going to do that this year. I'm going to do all my Midnight locations this year. Man, look, man even Sheriff's pants are hiked up super high. <laughs> you can tell how much of a dickweed a character is by how high their pants are in this film. <laughs> That's the bar. The height of the pants references how awful a person is. How, well, so, how, how, how high are mine? I don't even have any on. Like, it's pretty fucking fantastic. You're morally you, pure. You can't, you can't have, in 1968, you cannot have what amounts to a lynch mob with dogs barking at leashes and not be referencing the civil rights era. I'm sorry. It just isn't a thing. So, basically, what you're saying is... Uh... Um, was it Legend of Boggy Creek is a civil rights movie? Well, that, will... that wasn't that wasn't civil rights era though. So that's uh, yeah. I'm just saying, like they had dogs with on leashes barking. So. You, you, you've got cops just randomly shooting at people without verifying that they're zombies or not. I was gonna say, like, is it like uh, the uh, kind of uh, military behind them blowing away hippies at the same time? This is, I mean, this is '68. This is, this is, I mean, you know, like. <laughs> This imagery doesn't come out of nowhere. This is a fucking lynch mob. It is a lynch mob. Look at it. Well, there, there is the, the the cold clinical like banality of like how they just gun. Oh, there's people Vince down. right there. Vince, right? There's Vince. Yeah. 
like where they, 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 they're just, they're indiscriminately basically putting people down and it's a very like clinical cold kind of way they're doing it as well. The, the good old days. I mean, they, they don't know those are zombies. They, they have like, you know, yeah, sure. Some dude, who knows? You know, maybe some of them, okay, they got a good idea, but... I mean, like, I, I agree with you at the same time. If I was there, I'd shoot the fuckers, too, because they look like zombies to me. Like, oh, whoa. I'm sorry, you're a zombie. i shoot you. Like, hmm. I mean, like, if I gave you a gun, you'd shoot him, too. Like, we'd, like, 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 doing blood and rotting. From, from, from like, from, like, 100 feet away? From, like, 100 feet away? No, well, I'm pretty okay sure, therefore, I'm going to murder people. This no, dude's it's in okay. A... I shoot you, too. Like, it's all right. We're good. This dude's <laughs> in a house holding a gun. You know? It's fenced. You go see Dwayne. Doesn't see him holding a gun, but he sees him. Apparently. There you go. There's another one for the fire. Yeah, it, it, was, it was his own... It was his own um, kind of hatred for society that caused him to die. Because he would have been like, hey, guys, it's me. I'm good. But no, he had to be all stealthy and crouchy and, like, apprehensive. And that killed him because he would have been like, oh, you know, if he would have ran out and be like, I'm fine. How are we going? I'm surviving. Maybe he would have been fine. But no, he had to be like, I'm crouching. I don't like people because I'm darky. And then, boom, dead. This is the – I love this, these little stills. Well, this feels like uh, this. This these stills give a, a whole atmosphere to this. Well, it, it tells it tells the rest of the story. It tells you the aftermath because they they just walk in with meat hooks and drag the body yeah. away. They do a similar thing with the remake, but they do it in a more live action way. But I think the stills stay. They they actually say a lot more than the live and this action. Looks, this looks like something you'd see like not only like in a magazine or a newspaper, like you'd see in um, just just news reports. Absolutely. Like still, still pictures, right? Because you wouldn't always yeah, have on, on spot video. I mean, it's almost like the documentary they made years later, right? And there and it, is the 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 ploy for J.R. Ritchie, Rob, Rudy. There's there's the, he wasn't in the film, but there's his uh, his name, J.R. Yeah. Ritchie. Yeah. Or J. Ritchie, yeah. And uh, of course, uh, Tom wasn't involved with this because he was actually in Vietnam at the time. Yeah, Tom Savini, yeah. Which actually makes me wonder, like, why the rest of the guys were in Vietnam at the time either, because there was drafts and stuff. But I don't want to ask those questions. But yeah, but it's like, unfortunately, he gave he he took that and he gave enough uh, inspiration to do Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, so, is that uh, Heinzman zombie yeah, that there? Was, that was that was Heinzman. Yeah. Yep, that was a Heinzman zombie. Yeah, so flesh eater, flesh eater never happened. Why did Bill always look perfect for a zombie? Oh like, yeah, oh. he just had that gaunt fucking look. Always looked forty look. Mm-hmm. There you go. And Night of the Living Dead, one of the classics, will always be one of my favorites. Yeah, the end. It is linked on my end. It is linked with Carnival of Souls from 1962, which without that film, this wouldn't have happened. So, rock and yeah. roll. Thank you guys for in, in, uh, enjoying me, or uh, actually inviting me to this. Awesome. Always a fun time. Good commentary, good conversation. Yeah, uh, so we'll just end off here. First off, thanks for everyone listening, especially people who've been with us the entire way. I don't know how many that is, but I know and I know we've, we've picked up a lot of people in the last 50 episodes or so, especially. 
and hopefully you guys stick with us and enjoy what we're doing. And I'll throw over to you, Daniel, first. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, just go find me on Twitter, at Daniel Lee Harper. I do uh, a lot of stuff, and uh, it all just gets linked there. So just go find me there. Yeah, I've got some uh, podcasts. It's cool. A couple podcasts, yeah, one or two. Uh, Paul, where can people find you? Why don't you just hit PA Brew News? PA Brew News on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and you can find another, you know, extra good stuff from there. Awesome. And you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com, where you can find all of our links to Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube. Join our Facebook group and uh, get involved with us. Talk to us. Send us messages. Once we get to episode 200, I hope to have maybe a couple more audio mp3s and messages congratulating us for how awesome we are well i just doubt that but at the same time (laughs) oh my god 200 i don't even know what to do yeah yeah so we're gonna be dipping into more horror next yay exactly when we're gonna be recording hopefully maybe next week and we're gonna be looking up yeah and we'll actually be doing some hp lovecraft inspired stuff for the next few episodes anyway so that should be a lot of fun But until then, thank you guys for listening, and we will be back when we're back. Goodbye. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Dangerous fellas, we're back. (laughs) Ha ha. Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. 
for past episodes and links to our iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook group, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find links to other podcasts and websites of similar interest. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review. Please join our Facebook group as it's the single best place to get in contact with the hosts and to know what's coming up on the podcast. Thank you. Drive through.